Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the Lord's house today? What a beautiful, beautiful crowd. What wonderful worship today. I see some faces that I don't recognize, and so I just want to take a moment to welcome you today. We're so thankful that you came to worship with us at Spirit Life Church. If you're not accustomed to this kind of worship, let me just say to you that this is biblical worship. The scripture tells us to lift our hands, tells us to dance before the Lord, tells us to shout with a voice of triumph. There are many expressions of worship. But the reason that worship comes forth in this way is because we have made a choice to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. And we worship Him because of who He is. But we're also grateful for all the things that He has done for us. I'm glad to be saved today, aren't you? For those of you who may not know what that means, or if you're on the cameras on live stream today, it just simply means that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is who He says He is, and we confess with our mouth that He is, then we can be saved, and He will come in. You say, well, you don't know how bad I've been. That, none of that matters. Just bring all your junk to Jesus and he will begin a process in your life that will see it all cleared away and cleaned up in Jesus' name. And so thank you for coming and being with us this morning. We love to have a good time. I'm going to dare say that you haven't been in many services where you had a beach ball fight, have you? Not many probably. But we had the kind of fight today that nobody was mad at each other. We're just happy to see the others in the worship experience today. So thank you for having fun with us. Next week, I'm really wanting to encourage you to come and be at our church picnic. I know what the weather says. It's going to be warm. But listen, there's a water park there where we're going. You can wear your, uh, bring your kids, let them wear their swimsuits and go over to the uh, water park the church is going to bring some chicken and some barbecue and all that kind of thing. Now, we kind of need to know approximately how many are going to come next week. And our church seems to be allergic to the sign-up sheets. I, I don't know why that is. It's just like I'm, I'm coming, but I don't want to put my name on a sheet of paper, commit myself. But here's what I'd like to do today. I'm going to, I'm going to see if you'll do it this way. If right now you have plans to come to our church picnic next week. We have the pavilion at Broad Run. It starts at 4 p.m. We're going to be there a couple of hours. If you're intending to come, I want you to stand in the, in the sanctuary this morning. We're going to get an idea of approximately how many of you are planning to come. Look, they're coming up, they're coming up, they're getting up, they're getting up. Sometimes you got to get those legs working, right? All right, this is a good representation, so now we know how many chicken legs to buy for next week. You can be seated, thank you. Bring your outdoor games, your frisbees, your cornhole. If you prefer table games and that kind of thing, do that. We'll sit under the pavilion in the shade, and we'll just have a good time together. I don't know how you feel about it, but I sense that the church is coming back. I... I I look around, I know that we still have several people that are unable to be here for, because of illnesses, and we have some having surgery next week, and so their doctor will not allow them to come to church because of quarantine, because of COVID and all that, uh, but we're coming back, and God is uh, helping us. We've been praying this prayer for the last several months, Lord, we know that the harvest is ripe, it is white, it is ready to be harvested. And Scripture says, Pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest, that He will send forth laborers, so that we can get the job done. Now I thought that Stephanie and Greg did a great job this morning, don't you? I, I mean, Greg, if you knew how many times I'd started songs over... I mean, you wouldn't even think about it. I'd sit and get in the middle of the song, forget the words, and just make them up. You know, just get in the spirit and just make them up, you know. And so anyway, uh, I, here's what I like most about it. 
We have people in our church that are taking steps of faith. And they're saying, I'm, I don't want to just sit on a church seat. I want to do what God's called me to do. It may not always be on the stage. Some of the most needed jobs are in the corners and in the dark. But they need to be done. So whatever God is calling you to do, I pray that you will do what He has called you to do. That you'll step up and volunteer. Now on September the 11th, it's Grandparents Day. Did you know that? This is not a church holiday. This is a national holiday. Grandparents Day. How many of you are grandparents? Can I see your hands? How many of you want to be a grandparent? All right. That's almost 100%. Well, we are going to have a special celebration on September the 11th for Grandparents Day. We're going to meet in the back and we're going to have a continental breakfast together. Uh, watch the bulletin for times and things of that nature. We want you to bring your grandkids or we want you to let your grandkids bring you whatever if you're out there on the, on the live stream. We want you to come that day. We have a special guest, uh, a young lady that we attended college with many, many years ago. Her name is Marsha Durkee. And she is the senior adult pastor for the Parma Park Church of God in Ohio. And she's been there for many years. She's a little bit crazy. She's a, she's a, she's a lot funny. And she's going to do some comedy for us in the back that you're going to enjoy very much. But then she's also very deep in the Word of God. And she's going to bring our message for that day, September the 11th. So I want everybody to be here that day. We're going to have a wonderful day. Grandparents, drag your grandkids here. Grandkids, grab your parents and say, you're going somewhere special with me today. And it'll be at a wonderful time as we do life together here at Spirit Life on September the 11th. Amen. Well, I'm ready to preach today. I've been ready to preach all week long. And so I'm just going to let you have it all. I'm not going to hold anything back today. I'm just going to give you the whole load. Is that all right with you? Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about anchors. What it means to be anchored last week. We talked about what it means to be anchored in the promises of God, to be anchored in Christ. No matter what the world throws at us, we can hold on to Jesus and know that Jesus will hold on to us. We talked a little bit about Abraham and how that God gave him a promise that Sarah would be, would be with child at a, an old age. It seemed impossible. But listen, a lot of what God tells us He's going to do makes no sense to us and seems impossible to us. But if God said it, you better just get on the horse and ride. Because He is going to fulfill that promise in our lives. So we talked about that last week. Now this week in Acts chapter 27, and I'm not going to read the entire chapter. I put on Facebook last night that I hope that you would either read it last night and prepare yourself for the message today, or hopefully you'll read it this afternoon and get the whole gist of the thing. But let me just summarize Acts chapter 27 very quickly with you. You know, the Apostle Paul had been taken captive, and they were getting ready to take him uh, to his death. He had to go stand before Caesar, and they were going to take him there so he would stand trial for something that he had not done. And so this entire chapter is the story about how that when they put him on the boat to take him to where Caesar was, bad things happened, and then good things happened, and then ultimately it came to completion and God's glory was revealed. Now, I want you to notice with me the very uh, verse 13, I think it is, in chapter 27. Read it out loud with me, if you will. It says, now, when the south wind blew gently. 
supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor. Look at your neighbor and say, weighed anchor. And sailed along Crete close to the shore. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. It's going to be powerful in our lives as we listen to it, as we heed it. As we apply it to our lives, good things are going to happen because of what you will do in us. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me to preach effectively today. Say what needs to be said. Stay clear of the things that need to be kept silent. And just let your word go forth in power. Because we know when your power, your word goes forth, it will never return to you void. But it will always accomplish everything that you sent it forth to do. That's your promise, and I'm anchored in that today. I pray that you'll bless us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, this uh, season in Acts chapter 27 is almost the culmination of the book of Acts where God is putting things in place. They are operating in the gifts of the Spirit. The disciples are. Uh, The apostles are moving in His Spirit, and good things are happening. But in the midst of good things... Bad things are happening as well. How many of you know that in life, sometimes we have difficulties that we have to face? So I want to walk through this today for a little while, and I want to share with you some of the things that become very evident to us in this chapter, in chapter 27. And the first thing that is very evident to us is that there are times in our lives when we make Poor choices. Now, how many of you know that sometimes our problems are our own fault? It's because we make poor choices. Now, I want you to notice the two words that I highlighted on the screen. The two words in verse 13 say, weighed anchor. Now, what does it mean to weigh anchor? Well, it's a nautical term that sailors are very well aware of. To weigh anchor means that you look at all the signs, all of the circumstances. You look at the wind, you look at the sun, you look at the stars. You analyze where you are. You analyze what the situation is. And after you've analyzed where you are, you make a choice. And you can either keep the anchors down and remain safe, or you can weigh anchor and pull them up and begin your journey. Now, I want you to notice from Scripture today that this was a poor choice when they decided to weigh anchor, to pull up the anchors and to set sail. Notice verse 4 in Acts chapter 27, if you will. It says, the winds were against us. Notice verse 7, if you will. It says, we sailed slowly. And again in verse 7, it says, we arrived into the port with great difficulty. And again in verse 7, it says, The wind did not allow us to go farther. Now, all of this is happening before they weighed anchor. Before they pulled up the anchor, all of this is happening. Notice verse 8. It says that they are coasting along with great difficulty. And verse 9, the scripture says that the voyage was now dangerous. They're all on the boat, they're ready to take the trip, but for some reason, they have not decided to pull up the anchor yet. That doesn't happen until verse 13. But in all of these verses that I just made mention to you, there were signs that this was not a good time to pull up the anchors. How many of you know that there are times in our lives that we weigh all of our circumstances and we analyze where we are and we make choices that are going to bring difficulty into our lives. Difficulty is already happening. Difficulty is already all around them. 
Hard things are already happening all around them and they are weighing the evidence as to whether or not they should pull up the anchor and go. I want you to think back in your life and see if you can remember a time when you weighed all the evidence and you knew that what you were about to do was likely going to bring difficulty into your life, but you decided to do it anyway. You weighed anchor. You pulled up the anchor knowing that I am already in hardship. I am already in difficulty. I am already under the gun, so to speak. But I'm going to pull the anchor up. The thing that I've placed my faith in, Jesus, my rock, my sustainer, I'm going to go against him and do what I feel like I want to do, even though I know that it's going to bring difficulty in my life. It's like eating that donut before you realize that I don't need that donut. It's like smoking that cigarette when you know that the evidence says that if I live a life smoking that I may cause damage and most likely will to my body. It's like taking that drink before you leave the restaurant knowing that it could affect the way that you are able or not able to drive. It's like being in a situation with your spouse where things are not going well and you're having a hard time getting along. So you decide, well, maybe this would be a good time for us to split up and go separate ways. When you know that divorce is going to bring more difficulty than what you are already experiencing. It's spending the money on that credit card when you are already maxed out. It's buying that new car because you're just a little bit tired of the one that you've been driving and you want to have a different one, but you know that you're going to have to go in debt to drive it. And so you take out the loan and now you can't buy groceries because you have a car payment that is, that is just keeping you from being able to have financial freedom. I could go on and on and on, but the reality is, is that we all make poor choices at times in our lives. But before you get down on yourself, stay with me, because by the time that we get to the end of this message today, you're going to understand that even when we make poor choices, God is able to redeem those choices and bring about His perfect will in our life if we will commit and submit ourselves to him. So there were poor choices. Then I want you to notice verse 11. It says the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner than to Paul. In other words, Paul had already told them this is not a good time for us to leave port. This is not a good idea. We need to pay attention to the signs. But the scripture says that the sailors decided that they would pay more attention to the owner of the boat than they would uh, the apostle Paul who was the spiritual father among them. Let me just tell you that there are times that we really need to listen to those that God has appointed over us in the Lord. There have been times that some of my mentors have said things to me that I did not like, but I knew that it was for my good. There were times that my overseers told me things that I really didn't want to hear, but ultimately they worked good in my life. I've been your pastor now for a lot of years. I wouldn't still be here if I didn't love you, but I love you. But loving you means that I have to be willing to preach the whole Word of God rightly divided. And let me tell you, sometimes it may make you want to shout like crazy. And other times it might make you want to repent. It's not because I'm angry at anyone. It's because there is a desire from your pastor to help you to live a life that ultimately will bring good to you and your household. But we can't be... We can't be in a position where we're willing to listen to everything else. Oh, we can't pay tithe or give right now because the economy's bad. Well, who's telling you the economy's bad? 
The politicians are telling you the economy's bad. But what is God telling you? If God be for us, who can be against us? Someone posted a, a, a Facebook post this week and it said somebody had quoted years ago about how that if you take the gas and the food that you'll have the people right where you want them. Listen, they can have my gas. They can have my food. They can have my taxes. They can have whatever they want to have. But I've come to tell you today that God is on my side and he will meet my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus choices. And then verse 12 is one that I really like. It says, the majority decided. You should read that today. The majority decided. Listen, let me tell you something. Just because the majority decides something does not mean it's the right thing. Sometimes we have to stand in the minority in order to be in the will of God. And if we know what God's Word says, let me tell you something. We, as Christians, will always be in the minority as long as we walk on the face of this earth. If you think that all of a sudden America and this world is going to become a Christian nation and everybody is going to say, I don't no longer want to be in the sin that I've been living in. I want to go to church and be a Christian. If you think that that's going to happen in America one of these days, I've got a surprise for you. It's never going to happen. The church is always going to be in the minority. But the good news is that Jesus plus me is the majority. Amen. Jesus plus you is always the majority. We can do this thing, church. Poor choices. Secondly, we need to understand that poor choices lead to painful consequences. Wouldn't it be nice if we could do anything we wanted to do and make all kinds of mistakes and it would never bring consequence into our lives? Wouldn't that be wonderful? How many of you know that's not the way it works? We have to pay the price for the choices that we make. Now, I want you to look at verse 14. They've made this choice. They've weighed anchor. They've pulled it up, the boat now, is being driven by the sea, and here's what happens as a result of their choice. Verse 14, there was a tempestuous wind that struck down the land. Verse 15, the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, and we gave way to it and were driven along. I don't know if you've ever been out driving when a storm came up. You know, I like to camp. Donna and I love to camp. We've got us a little camper. And every now and then we'll go out and go camping. But you know what I don't like? I don't like being in a side wind when I am towing that camper. I don't mind driving into the wind because they are designed so that you can drive 65, 70 miles an hour. And the wind will just go over the top of the camper and go right over to the back. It's not a problem when you're towing into the wind, but when the wind is hitting you from the side, you're towing like this almost constantly. It can be difficult at times, and in fact, there are times when you just want to pull over to the side of the road and wait until the wind starts. Let me tell you something. It's hard when the wind comes at us sideways. When something strikes us from the side that we were not anticipating, when something strikes us and, and knocks us off course or causes us to move off kilter, it's not easy to move in those kinds of situations. I would much rather be facing the wind than being pushed by the wind. But because of their choice, and they weighed anchor at the wrong time and in the wrong direction. They were forced to fight this wind that was pushing them from the side. Verse 17. They had to use supports, the scripture says. They had to lower the gear. 
Verse 18 says, they began to jettison the cargo. What does that mean? They started throwing things over the side of the boat in order to lighten the load so that the boat could be better under control. Verse 19, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. They couldn't fish anymore. They couldn't capture any any fish or any uh, wildlife. They had to throw it all overboard because of their choice. And then I want you to notice verse 20. Verse 20 says, all hope, say all hope. All hope of being saved was at last abandoned. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a situation where you realize that I have fought and fought and fought, but I understand and realize now that there's no way that I'm going to be able to win this in my own strength and power? All hope had been abandoned. All hope was gone. There was nothing else they could do. And then something miraculous happened, which takes me to my third point. And it is this. Paul was visited by an angel from God that night. An angel of the Lord came to Paul and he, and he basically said to Paul, Why are you so upset? Nothing bad is going to happen to you. You're not going to lose your life and the men who are on board with you are going to be saved because of you. Now when the Lord speaks to us, And everything is going bad. Everything is going wrong. And God says, never fear. Don't be afraid. I'm on your side. Trust in me. Hold tight to me. Believe my word. Anchor yourself in my promises. When he says something like that, when everything's falling apart, doesn't it make you feel like I must be crazy or God's crazy? One or the other, either God's crazy or I'm crazy, because this sure doesn't look like it's coming together. But what happened was, is that the angel reminded Paul, you can't die. You have to go stand before Caesar. And you can't be done with your assignment until you stand before Caesar. So just keep the end result in mind. God is going to get you where you've been assigned to go and you are going to accomplish the task that he has assigned to you and no devil from hell is going to keep you from it or prevent you from it because God is on your side. This year at camp meeting, our night speaker, Tony Stewart, told a story about how that he was getting ready to get on a flight to go on a, to an assignment to speak and to do ministry and he goes and, and, and he's there and he realizes the time and he realizes that the plane hasn't even started boarding yet and they're going to miss and he had a connecting flight in another city that he had to get to and he realized I'm never going to make it. There's no way I'm going to be able to make it even if they put me on the plane right now I will not be able to get to the other city and make my connection. And he went up to the desk and he said listen I know I'm scheduled to be on this this flight, but I cannot get on this plane. Because if I get on this plane, I cannot make my connection in the other city. And so I'm going to have to hang back and I'll just reschedule my appointment and do something later. And they said, oh no, you're fine. Say, you're going to make your connection. He He said, look, see what time it is? He said, I'm supposed to connect there at this time. There's no way that I can make it. And they said, trust me. You're going to be all right. Get on the plane. We're going to get you there. And you're going to be able to connect to the other plane at the right time and be able to complete your trip. And he said, all right. He said, by faith, he got on that plane knowing good well that there was no way that he was ever going to make it. While he's on the plane, he started realizing and they're starting to say to him, you know, we're heading into a headwind. We're, we're, we're running behind. And, and then the plane was bumping around like this. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we may not make it. You need to make sure you're buckled up. And in his mind, he's thinking, there's no way. There's no way. There is no way I'm going to make it. When the stewardess came by, he got their attention and said, hey, 
uh, I, you know, is there any way that we can call ahead and see about the connection and see if they're on time and am I going to be make, able to make it? And the head stewardess came out and opened up their flight book and looked down in there and said, look, say, you're going to be okay. You're going to make your next flight. And he said, I don't understand how you can say I'm going to miss my, not miss my next flight when it's almost time for them to depart now and we're not even halfway there. And the stewardess said, look, the pilot of this plane is scheduled to be the pilot of your next plane. And your next plane is not going to leave until your pilot now gets there so that he can pilot the next plane. And he said, I begin to realize that the pilot of my present will also be my pilot of my future. Oh, church, somebody ought to be shouting right now because I've come to tell you today that your pilot of your present is Jesus and he's going to get you to your destination if you will just trust and have faith in him. Courage. It takes courage. In verse 22, after he was visited by the angel, Paul brings them all together and here's what he says. He says, I urge you to take heart. In verse 24, he said, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. God has granted you all that are with you. Listen, the angel told him, said, not only are you going to be saved, Paul, but everybody who stands with you is going to be saved too. Everybody that refuses to jump off the side of this ship, but they stay here with you, even if it looks bad, even if it looks stormy, even if it looks impossible, for those who will remain on the ship and stay here, God has promised uh, not only your life, but they will remain as well. You know what? When I was reading that this week, it just dawned on me. I want to be around saved people. I want to do my life around people of faith. I know that we have to interact with the world. The Bible tells us we're in the world. But listen, our soul, our spirit, we're not of the world. And I want to be around people who can believe. I want to be around people who know how to pray. I want to be around people who know how to worship. I want to be around people who know how to live in the presence of God. And he said, if they will stay with you, if they'll just hang out with you, Paul, they're going to be saved too. And so Paul says to them in verse 25, he says, so take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told by the angel. How many of you are convinced that what God has said to you, that it will be exactly like that? How many of you have faith that that promise that he has made to you will look exactly what, like what God intends for it to look like? It may not always look like what you thought it would look like. But let me tell you, it will look like what God wants it to look like because it's his promise. And he will be faithful to his promise. He might not do what you want, but he will do what he desires. And let me tell you something, what he desires will always be better than what you can concoct in your mind. Amen? One final thought. We go from courage to completion, to conquest. How many of you know that you're winners? Two of you, praise the Lord. Rest of you, a bunch of losers. No, we're winners. We're overcomers. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. Man, can you imagine that? I was watching some videos yesterday that I, I just cackled. I laughed. I was sitting out on the back deck, and I'm just laughing like crazy. And this is a montage of videos of people that quit too soon. Racers, they're running, and they're raining, running, and they get almost to the finish line, and they throw their hands up, and they start saying, look at me, how good I am, and then somebody will run right by them and win. Horse races, 
where the jockey begins to pull back a little bit and the horse comes by and somebody that was not expected to win goes right by. Let me tell you something. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to jump ship. It's always too soon to take your future into your hands when God wants to make sure that your steps are ordered by Him. It's always too soon for that. So you got to stay in the boat. I was thinking this week, I'm so glad that I stayed in Louisville. Somebody was asking me today or saying something about, you know, well, you're still here. I, yeah, I'm still here. I don't know if you expected me to still be here or not. I know there were a lot of people that didn't expect me to still be here. But I can't leave until the assignment is finished. I can't leave unless God says so. And even if you try to run me out of town, I may have to fight you over that. Because if God has not released me from the assignment, I don't have any choice but to stay. Because God has a work for us to do. And I look around this congregation... And it's true, there are a lot of people that were here when I first came that they didn't stick around. I wasn't their cup of tea. I didn't look cool enough. You know, I, I, you know all that kind of stuff. I could name it, name it, name it. You know, I was the devil's uh, uh, cohort and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, it was a tough season. But I said, well, do what you got to do. I'm just telling you, there's a group of people that God is going to put around me. And together, we're going to work to increase and advance the world work of God in this community, in this city, and we're not going to quit until God says it's time to quit. And I'm going to tell you, we sing a song that says, it ain't over until God says it over. It's over. And it ain't over yet, church. And I'm so glad that I chose to stay in the boat. And I'm so glad you chose to stay in the boat. I'm so glad some of you saw the boat going by and said, I want to get on that boat and jump into that boat. That looks like a cruise ship to me. That looks like a fun ship. Man, they throw beach balls at each other on Sunday morning. And they have sunglasses that they give away. And they have a good time. Listen, all that stuff is fine and dandy as sugar candy. But I want you to know what's more important to me and what ought to be more important to you is the move of the Holy Ghost in our lives so that we can impact the world and the people that are close to us and around us. Because they'll be saved because of us. They'll be saved because of God's call upon our lives. So let me close. Let me close. I want you to get your Bibles. And I want you to go to verse 39. Jared, are you up there? I can't see because of the lights. Put my first picture up, if you will. Because here's what I want to close with today. I want to remind you that victory does not always look like what you think it will look like. You know, we think about victory and we always see ourselves standing on the stage being celebrated. But I want you to see what the Word of God says. Verse 39, it says, Now when it was day, just leave it up there, Jared. I'll have you move in just a minute. They did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach. Say, bay with a beach. I want to rent that, don't you? They noticed a bay with a beach. That's what old Tom was hoping for. A bay with a beach. On which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea. Did you catch that? At the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. And then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. Striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained unmovable. And the stern was being broken up by the surf. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, 
kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. Does that sound like victory to you? Tom Hanks is one of the most celebrated actors in our modern era of movies. He's won multiple awards. He has stood on platforms and stages like this probably so many times that he has forgotten how many times he has stood there. He's been well celebrated. There have been times that that he beat everybody when it came to the awards. He's done it. And sometimes we think about victory, and that's what we see as victory. If I come up and the pastor lays his hands on me and prays for me, I'm going to be victorious, and it's going to feel like this. It's going to look like this. Because the whole time he's standing there like that, the crowd's going, hey, way to go, Tom. You won. You're the best there ever was. You're amazing. And there are times that when we win, that we just want to take a bow. You don't have to say amen if you don't want to, but it's true. Because we look at our situation, we see how hard we, we know how hard we fought. We knew what it took to get to that moment, and we just want to stand there, and if we're a a male or a female, we want to curtsy. It's okay for both to do, right, these days? No, it's not. Women, you curtsy. Men, you bow. Say, you need to be more inclusive. That's as good as it's going to get from me. If you're a woman, curtsy. If you're a man, bow. And we want to bow. We want to tell the world somehow, Look how my life turned out. I'm a winner. But listen, it doesn't always look like that. Victory does not always look like that. Jared, change the slide if you will. Sometimes victory looks like that. Am I right? I mean, sometimes victory is just, oh, God. You've got to get me. Oh, Jesus. You don't help me. I'm going to get there. And we look around us and we find the remnants of the ship. And we pick up a board and we lay ourselves across the board. And we dog paddle all the way up to the beach. Why? Because we already saw the beach where we need to go. But we've got to get from where we are to the beach. And the only way that we could get there. And Paul said, get on the ship. Get on the planks. Do whatever you got to do. Swim if you need to swim. But get to the beach. And that's what they did. Say, well, what happened? Well, thank you for asking. Notice the last phrase of verse 44. It says, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And notice, and so it was that all, say all, were brought safely to the land. (laughs) Makes me just want to shout right now just makes me want to say thank you Jesus because I don't I don't know what this thing looks like I don't know if I'm going to be standing and being award uh, getting awards for my faithfulness and for all the good that I've done or if I'm going to be like old Tom with my hair all ratty and messy and halfway down standing on the beach riding in the sand help me help me help me listen my help is in the Lord and I may not know what it looks like but I know that his promise are yes and amen they are true and somehow whether or not I stand rejoicing or or I'm floating on a plank uh, God is going to see me through uh, and I shall forevermore be victorious stand with me if you will this morning so what are you anchored in today 
Are you anchored in his promises? And so, well, what kind of promises did Paul have? He had the word from the Lord that came to him through the angel. Paul, you're going to make it. You're going to be all right. You're on assignment. You can't be touched when you're on assignment. Can I just preach there for just a few seconds? We talked about this Wednesday night in Bible study. We talked about there were times when Paul's snake came out of the fire and bit him, but the snake did not kill him. The Bible says there will be times when you're on assignment that you can drink deadly poison, and the deadly poison will not harm you. Why is that? Because when you are on assignment for the king, you have supernatural protection upon your life and the devil cannot break through it uh, and cannot steal from you, cannot kill you, cannot destroy you uh, because Jesus is on our side and he will bring life and victory to us every time. So what's got you messed up today? What is it that you're fighting against today? Can I just tell you today that if God's on your side, there's nothing that you can't do with Him there by you. Prayer team, will you come? Will you position yourself for prayer? I've asked the singers to come. I requested this this morning. I want them to sing a song that says this is how I fight my battles. I don't know how you fight your battles. I know some people that they just weep and cry. They just rehearse all the bad stuff. And they, they can take a whole lifetime. All they ever do is talk about how somebody mistreated them. Somebody said something to them. Somebody hurt their feelings. Some boss was mean to them. Somehow lost their job. Always oh, got something negative to say. I know people that that's the way they fight their battles. I'm going to fight my battle by pulling you down and tearing you down. That's how they fight their battles. But listen, that is not God's way for us to fight our battles. Our, fight, our battles must be fought in the realm of the Spirit. And if we will walk in the Spirit, you never know. Tonight could be the night when the angel of the Lord visits you in your house and wakes you up and says, Why are you afraid? You're on assignment for me. The enemy can't touch you. You're on my side. I'm on your side. And the enemy cannot take you until I release you. And when I do release you, I've got a reward for you that's going to last you all throughout eternity. Because when you are eventually absent from your body, you're going to be present with me in the heavenlies for eternity. So church, we're going to make it. The anchor holds. But I want us to sing this song. And while you're here today and you need prayer for whatever you need prayer for today, I want you to come and let this prayer team pray for you and with you. And let's worship together. Go ahead, choir. There's a table that you prepared for me. shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. There's a table that you prepared for me. In the presence of my enemies. It's your body and your blood you shed for
Sometimes we forget what kind of boat we're on. I, I think we have a wonderful opportunity when we come to church to cast our cares upon Jesus, knowing that He cares for us. But we're concerned that somebody might know that we're going through a difficulty. So we want others to think that we're on a cruise ship when in fact, we're on a boat that is stuck in the middle of the storm. Now, I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want anybody to think that I'm having a hard time. Listen, when you get into a situation and it looks like that it's all over for you, you're not going to care what anybody else thinks. The only thing you're going to care about is getting into the presence to get where the Spirit of God is moving. And when you get there, just like those, those people that were with Paul, they were criminals. Many of them were being led to their death. And so much so 
that the guards there were ready to throw them over the ship because they were going to die anyway. But there were hope was staying where the Spirit of God was. And the Spirit of God was where Paul was. Let me just remind you that that's one of the reasons that the church exists. We're here to stand with you and to believe for you and to pray and believe that God will see you through. Don't kid yourself, church. Don't act like when you're on a cruise ship when in fact you're on a ship that's going down. Get where the Spirit of God is. Could you sing it one more time as we get ready to dismiss? Go ahead and sing it. This is how I find saved by your blood, Jesus, that you shed at Calvary. We believe what you did was true, and we've applied it to our lives, and we stand before you today saved and cleansed by your blood. I pray for those who may be watching via live stream this morning. If there's anyone out there, Lord, that they need to be in a relationship with you, I pray that you will convict them of their sin and bring them to a place where they will receive you into their heart. They can just simply say, I believe you're who you say you are, and I'm asking you to come in and cleanse me of my sins, and I know that when you do that, I'll be saved. Thank you, Lord, for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for healing power in our bodies. Lord, I thank you that over the last few weeks and months, you've been destroying cancer. You've been obliterating it in bodies from people who attend our church. They went in believing for a poor report, and they came out with a positive report and a good report. What they were expecting was overcome by your healing virtue. And Lord, we still have people who are going through things physically in their bodies, but we're not afraid because we know that you are well able to heal our bodies, and we trust you and we believe you. Lord, there are people who are dealing financially with difficulty because of their jobs, because of employment, because of the economy, because of gas prices, because of grocery prices because of back to school supplies and Lord it's just hard to make ends meet and they're having a difficult time but Lord will you remind them that you said that if they would bring all of their tithe into the into the house of God and present it to you that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out for them a blessing they won't be able to contain that's your promise, and we're anchored to it. And on top of that, Lord, we're going to find opportunities to give like we've never given before, even in the midst of the difficulty, because we have turned everything over to you in our lives. 
And Lord, I close this service today by confirming that we believe that the harvest is ripe. It is wiped unto harvest. It's ready to be brought in. And Lord, I have so many who are working with me to labor in that harvest and bring it in. But we need so many more. And you said for us to pray to the Lord of the harvest that you would send forth laborers. And so I'm asking you to bring musicians. I'm asking you to bring teachers who can teach our children. I'm asking you, Lord, to bring volunteers who can greet people in the parking lot and let people know that they're welcome here. I pray, Lord God, that you would allow evangelists to rise up among us, that everywhere they go, they'll be telling people about Jesus. I pray that people who are working in the secular world will find ways to work in the gospel message to those that they are ministering to. Lord, I'm praying for an old-time move of your Holy Spirit, a revival that will be poured out among us and upon us that will allow us to see souls won and brought into the kingdom of God. Lord, we believe that this is our time. We believe the time is now. And we believe that it's time for the workers to come. So, Lord, I pray that you'll bring them from the north, that you will bring them from the south, that you will release them from the east and release them to the west so that they can gather here with us and we can work together in unity knowing that what you've called us to do is not only possible, but it is probable because you're going to be on our side. And it will get done. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm glad you came to church today. I love you so much. You have a wonderful week. Go with the Lord. Something is happening in the foyer right now. So you might want to make your way back there to see what's up. God bless you.